Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. If you're looking for a church home or are interested in what God is doing through Souls Harbor, visit us at www.soulsharborag.com. If you have an encouraging story of what God has done in your life through these podcasts, please share it with us at sharbor at indie.rr.com. Know those things. Matthew chapter 25 is where I want to preach from this morning. I want to preach a message I've entitled, Are You Lit? Are You Lit? And you'll see where it comes from here in just a moment. Now, this is the, the parable of the ten virgins. How many of you have ever heard this? If you were in first service, I know you have. But apart from that, how many of you have ever heard this parable? Most of us have. And as I studied this week, as I prepared and prayed, God showed me some things about this parable that I had never realized before. For the first time, I actually dug into it, dove into it, and tried to look at it not from the 21st century perspective that I usually see it, but from the first century perspective of who Jesus originally told the story to. And I want to share this morning some things that I believe the Lord showed me that are pertinent to us today. So let me, it's only 13 verses long, so let me read to you the parable as we have it in our Bible and as we, we historically have got it, and then go back and, and share the things that God gave me this week. Uh, chapter 25, verse 1 of Matthew. Then the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. For when the foolish took their lamps, they took no oil with them, but the wise took flasks of oil with their lamps. As the bridegroom was delayed, they all became drowsy and slept. But at midnight there was a cry, here is the bridegroom, come out to meet him. Then all those virgins who rose and trimmed their lamps, and the foolish said to the wise, give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. But the wise answered, saying, since there will not be enough for us and for you, go rather to the dealers and buy for yourself. And while they were going to buy, the bridegroom came, and those who were ready went in with him to the marriage feast, and the door was shut. Afterwards, the other virgins came also, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered, Truly I say to you, I do not know you. Now, if you are a reader of the New Testament, that statement there, Truly I say to you, I do not know you, may click something in your mind, a memory in your mind, that, that something very similar was said in Matthew chapter 7. And let me just read this to you, okay? Because I, I don't know about you, you're going to recognize this passage, but I, I'm going to be honest with you, there have been times in my life where this has kept me awake at night. So, so hear this. Verse 21 of Matthew 7. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Y'all ever heard this before? Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? And, and get that. Did we not prophesy in, in your authority, in your name? Cast out demons in your name? Do mighty works in your name? And then will I declare to them, and here it is. Here, here, here's what comes from Matthew 25. Then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Matthew 25, but he answered, truly, I say to you, I do not know you. Watch, therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour. 
So this is a parable that Jesus told first century Christians, and, and there's just some really interesting things in here that apply to us today, I believe, if we look at it from a first century perspective. So let's go back to verse 1, and, and let me just begin to tell you the story and share some things here with you. Um, verses 1 and 2, Then the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. You guys ever read a book and you get, you know, there's chapter 1, but there's always before chapter 1, there's this thing called the introduction. You, you guys ever, you know what I'm talking about? That's what I just read to you. Verses 1 and 2 are the introduction of the parable. Jesus just lays down the big picture stuff. This is about the kingdom of heaven. It's about these ten virgins. It's about they have their lamps and five are foolish and five are wise. And that's it. That's the story. That's the introduction. And then verse 3, he picks up with the actual parable. But let's do this. Let's talk about the idea of the virgins, ten virgins. We think of those, and depending on which translation you have, it's going to say one of two things. It's either going to say virgins or bridesmaids. How many of you have bridesmaids in your Bible? Nobody? How many of you have virgins in your Bible? All right. So most of you have a translation. Some translations will say bridesmaids. Probably a more accurate understanding of that is maidens or bridesmaidens. Okay, the focus there wasn't that these are virgins, these are young ladies who have not been um, sexually intimate, it's young ladies, and that word can be translated either way, and, and here's the thing I want you to get, the, the, the best way to understand this story is to understand that these were young ladies that were very close friends to the groom and probably to the bride. How, how many of you have been to a wedding? I, and most of you have, have had a wedding, okay? When you invite somebody, ladies, when you invite somebody, and I know this is the groom, it's a little different tradition, but when you invite, say, five um, young ladies to be your bridesmaids, aren't you going to go out and pick five very close friends, five, many times it's going to be family members, right? That's who these girls were. These were young ladies who had very a very close a family even relationship with the groom and probably the bride as well. Now here's what I want you to see. Five of them were close. Five of them thought they were close, but when it was all said and done, they weren't. Now, now think about this with me for just a second. You pick out your bridesmaids and consider them to be good friends and close to you based on relationship. But if at some point along the way they just don't show up and just don't bother to be there, do you begin to question the friendship? I would. And I think that's what we're going to find as we dig into this, 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 this story. Now, you guys know the groom in, in the story is Jesus, right? Jesus Christ will come back for his church, a bride, white and spotless. And the bride is typically the church. And, and, but in this particular parable, Jesus has said the bride, or said the church, is actually the bride's maids. It's the bride's maids. The last thing I, wanna, I, I want you to consider here is this is for all generations. This, this story was told to the first generation Christians who thought they were the last. It was told to the second generation Christians who also thought they were the last. It, listen to me, this story, was to, this story was for the Christians of the 1930s 
the pre- our, our previous generation who thought they were the last, but this story is also for this generation of Christians, you all who we think we are also of the last. We will be, we will be those virgins. That's the way we're described here, those maidens. Then the kingdom of heaven will be like the ten maidens who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five of them were wise. Um, We read that word lamps and we tend to think of, uh, if you've ever seen a first century lamp, it's it's like a piece of pottery. You guys ever see this? It's, It's like a piece of pottery that's got no top on it and they fill it with oil, they'll stick a wick in it. You guys know what I'm talking about, and they'll light the thing, and it'll put off a little light. I mean, if you know, if I, Joe, if I get up in the middle of the night and I got to get from the bedroom to, I don't know, the bathroom, right, where we all go in the middle of the night, um, it'll probably get me there without stubbing my toe. But it's not going to light up the room. But we read this story, and, and and we read that word lamp. That word lamp can actually be, and depending again, depending on the translation you have, it may have a footnote in there that says that it can be a lamp. But it could also be something else. It could be something more like this right here, a torch. It could be something where they have put rags around a, around a stick and they have, they have turned it into a torch. Now, here's what I want you to see, okay? The, the lamp gets used one way. The torch gets used the other way. The lamp is something just to get you from a, a, a point A to point B. The torch is something that is to... Br- if, you, if, if I turned all the lights off in here and I truly oiled this up and lit it, it would light this room up. And probably a better understanding of that word this morning is not that of lamp, but it's that of torch. These young maidens took their torches and went to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. Why were five foolish? Because, you know, we we usually read that and we think in, in, in terms of they showed up with lamps, little clay pots, and they had oil in it. They just didn't bring enough. That's one thing. It's another thing to show up with a torch and not bring any fuel for it. What do you think would happen if I took this torch and I took a lighter and I tried to light this cloth? You might get some smoke. Probably would get a lot of smoke. I, I thought about actually doing it, and then I thought, no, that probably wouldn't be a good plan. I think we've got smoke detectors in here, and it would not end well. Um, if you don't put if you don't put oil on this, it is not going to burn. It's not going to blaze, right? And and that's why they were the, the they were foolish. For the, when the foolish took their torches, they took no oil with them, but the wise took flasks of oil with their lamps. And as the bridegroom was delayed, they all became drowsy and slept. Now here's the other piece of this that we miss sometimes. What was the purse? purpose of the bridesmaids the bridesmaids responsibility their job was to be ready that when the bridegroom showed up they would light their torches at night because it was supposed to happen at night it was meant to happen at night that's why they brought torches to begin with because they expected the bridegroom at night and they would have a bright loud celebration that would take place as they put together a procession that would run from where the bridegroom was to where the bride was. And when the two would come together, they would have a wedding supper. 
Now, I don't know if this sounds revelationary to any of you, revelation familiar to any of you, but there's going to come a day where the groom, Jesus, is going to come together with his bride, the church. Does it sound familiar to anybody? There's going to come a day where the groom, Jesus, is going to once again be united with his bride, the church. And, but in this story, the church is also the bridesmaids, and we have a responsibility, we have a calling, we have a purpose. That in that moment, in that time, when the groom prepares to come, he's on the verge of coming, and he, and, and he comes together with his bride, the church, we are to be like these torches that shine bright. Do you understand what I'm saying this morning? It, we're, we're not, God has not called you to be some little lamp with a little wick in it that puts off a little smoke and a little life, a, a little light just to keep the world from stubbing their toe. Rather, we're to be a torch that is lit up. How lit are you this morning? That is lit up, that shines, that blazes, that, that can't be ignored, that can't be... Do you understand what I'm saying? This is what the last generation is called to be. Now listen, I said this was for every generation, and I want you to get this. The first generation, Christians, thought they were the last generation. I, 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 I can remember the day that finally stuck with me. It finally hit me. Those men, Peter, James, and John, they did not expect to die. They expected Jesus to return in their lifetime. They, so they made a choice. We are going to shine brightly. We're going to be passionate. We're going to give everything we have to love the Lord, to serve the Lord, to obey the Lord, to know the word of the Lord, and we're going to shine brightly because in their mind, in their heart, they were the last generation. And when they weren't the last generation, the next generation that came along thought, well, my goodness, I guess they were mistaken. They weren't the last generation, but surely we are the last generation. And every generation since then, the generation that preceded us, thought they were the last generation. And God called them to shine brightly as torches. Well, they weren't the last generation. So here we stand today, and God calls us to shine brightly as torches. He doesn't call us to exist. He calls us to make a statement. He calls us to live our lives in obedience. He calls us to live our lives radically. He calls us to stand upon the holiness and the righteousness of the word of God and shine brightly as he prepares one day to return and claim his bride. You say, Pastor Barry, how soon is that going to happen? No man knows the day and the hour. Now listen to me. Catch this piece of it, okay? No man knows the day and the hour that, that Jesus is coming again. But the bride was expected at night in darkness, or the, right? The groom was expected at night in the darkness. Look around this world. Is it darker than it's ever been? It almost feels like it is. And it makes me wonder. We may be on that, that moment, on the cusp of that moment, and we need to shine brightly. We read on through this, verse 4, but the wise took flasks of oil with their lamps as the bridegroom was delayed. And they all became drowsy and slept. And we usually look at this and we think, okay, the point of that, mess, or point of that parable is stay awake. The point of the parable is be prepared. They, they all slept, the wise and the foolish, they all slept. But at midnight or the late night hour, there was a cry. Here's the bridegroom. Come out to meet him. And then all the virgins, all the maidens, all the bridesmaids rose and went and prepared, trimmed or prepared their lamps. 
Now, here's the piece of this that troubles me sometimes. The five foolish maidens who showed up with a torch and no oil, why did they do that? Imagine you, you, you take on the responsibility of mowing your neighbor's lawn. In the first week you show up, you, you, you get your lawn mower and you go to your neighbor's house and you get there and you get everything unloaded and, and then you go up to your neighbor's door and knock on it and say, I, I'm sorry, I, I forgot the gasoline. I'm sorry, I can't mow your grass today. What would you think? What a knucklehead, maybe, I don't, I don't know. Or, I'm not paying you. <laughs> or, uh... I don't, or maybe you just don't want to mow my grass. Well, it happens one time. You, maybe you give the guy the benefit of the doubt. All right, no problem. I'll see you next week. Well, he shows up the second week and he brings his gas or brings his lawnmower, but he forgets his gas. What are you going to think? Yeah, he doesn't want to mow my grass. He, mows, he shows up the third week if you've not already hired somebody else. He shows up the third week and he still doesn't have his gas. In the fourth week and he doesn't have his gas. In the fifth week and he, somewhere along the way you're going to realize, okay, this guy really does, he doesn't really care about me. He's not really interested in helping me and mowing my grass. So if you've got five bridesmaids that don't even, they, they show up with a torch, but they don't even bother to bring oil to light the torch, you kind of got to wonder how much do they really care. But here's the thing that troubles me. All five, or all ten, five foolish and five wise, when the groom showed up, they got up and went out and tried to light their torch. So why did they do that? Did they, did they, did, were, were they just completely unaware that lawnmowers take gasoline? That seems a little bit far-fetched, right? I mean, you know, if, if, if I've got a four-year-old, okay, maybe they're not going to get that. But if I've got a 16-year-old, they at this point in life, you've lived enough life, you probably realize lawnmowers take gasoline. Why did they do that? We, we don't know for sure, but it almost seems like a part of it was simply it just wasn't that important to them to honor the groom as he was joined and, and, and lead the processional to the... It just wasn't that important to them. And I wonder if that's not the reason when we come down to verse 12, it says, truly, truly, I say to you, I did not know you. But here's what really troubles me. I'm not sure they knew themselves. Now listen, I, I, I preached this message this morning. I, I, I preached it first service. I preach it here now. And I suspect everybody that's sitting in the sound of my voice is thinking, or at least feeling, boy, I'm glad I'm one of the wise maidens. I'm one of the five wise right? I'm one that's prepared. But what's troubling is the five that were foolish thought they were prepared. I've learned this in life. There are people in this world that are honest. I could trust them with my wife, my money, my automobile. I could trust them with my house, the keys to my house, and they would never steal. They would never lie. They would never abuse. They would never do anything like that. But these same people that, that, that are so honest and so trustworthy in so many ways, they get up every day and they go and they stand in the mirror and they lie to themselves. I, I've learned this about humanity in general, and, and, and I have to be really careful because I'm a part of humanity in general. Um, we have got this incredible capacity to deceive ourselves. And what I want you to walk out of here this morning with, and I, I hope you, you do, at the very least you walk out of here asking yourself, am I really... Am I really, at this point in my life, am I really one of the wise 
maidens, or am I more like the foolish? In other words, am I really burning hot and bright for God? Or am I one that is deceiving myself and fooling myself and think because I go through the motions that when Jesus comes back and when the bride comes, or the groom comes back for his bride, I'm going to be in good shape, but yet I'm the one that stands in the mirror and deceives myself. Let me ask you this morning, are you hotter for God today than you were yesterday? Do you shine bright, brighter for God today than you shined for God last year? Is there more zeal and passion in you for the things of God today than there was in you for the things of God, oh, I don't know, when you gave your life to Jesus Christ? How lit, how lit are you? Because the Lord's coming back for those that are burning bright. How lit are you this morning? I fear we're living in a day and an age where a lot of Christians have decided compromise is okay. We've been pretty blessed in America because we lived in a culturally Christian nation for the last 20 years, certainly last 10 years. But now all of a sudden we're living in a culturally non-Christian nation. In fact, we're, we're to the point it's a culturally anti-Christian nation. And we run up against everyday situations where we have to make a decision. Am I going to be willing to burn for Jesus? Or am I going to be willing to become a clay pot and just try to survive in the world around me? Jesus is coming back for those that burn brightly. The foolish said to the wise, give us some of your oil for our lamps are going out. But the wise answered saying, since there will not be enough for us and for you, go rather to the dealers and buy for yourself. And while they were going to buy, the bridegroom came, and those who were ready went in with him to the marriage feast. And do you see that next statement? And the door was shut. And the door was shut. Y'all understand there will come a point, there will come a day, there will come a time where the door closes and the opportunity no longer exists. You, you want some uh, motivation to pray for your kids, your grandkids, your neighbor, your parents that don't know the Lord is their Savior, that don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ. You want some motivation? And the door was shut. And the door was shut. The reality is Jesus is coming back. And there it is going to come a moment in time where the groom is going to enter into this world to be joined with his bride. And in that moment, the door will be shut. You got family members? You got kids? You got brothers and sisters? 
you don't know where they're at spiritually. That ought to be motivation that makes me get on my knees every day and say, Jesus, Holy Spirit, will you convict them? Will you deal with them? Will you bring them to a place of salvation? Will you bring them to know you? Because there will come a day where the door will be shut. We're told in verse 11, afterwards the other maidens came also saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered to them, truly I say to you, I do not know you. Imagine with me, ladies, these bridesmaids in your wedding. Anybody here have five bridesmaids in your wedding? Anybody? One? Okay. Two? Okay. That's, that's a good-sized wedding, right? I mean, that's a, pretty good, that's a pretty big wedding party. So you have, if you're in that situation and five of them show up for the rehearsal and show up for the wedding, that'd be wonderful. But what happens if only three show up for the rehearsal? And then only three actually show up for the wedding day. And the other two that don't show up don't even bother to call you? How you going to feel about that? Fire going to roll out of your eyes? You going to have a word or two to say to them? Are you going to turn your husband loose, your new husband loose on them? Hey, you take care of this because I'm going to kill somebody, right? Now that would be something, but imagine this with me, all right? Not only do they not show up on the wedding day, not only do they not show up for the wedding, not only do they not call you, but then you get to the reception hall and the bridal party comes in and you're seated, 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 and who shows up? But the two individuals that didn't come to the rehearsal, didn't come to the wedding, didn't notify you, but they show up at the, at the, at the, wedding, um, the wedding feast and they expect to be seated with the bridal party? What are you going to tell them? Hit the road? <laughs> right? You're no friend of mine? What's the matter with you? That's exactly what happened in this story. These five that uh, did not come prepared, showed up with torches but had no fuel, couldn't couldn't light the way for the groom, couldn't show him the honor and them the honor that they deserved. They come back around to the wedding feast and they knocked on the door and they said, hey, will you let us in? And people read that and think, well, boy, that's, that's kind of harsh. But wouldn't you do the same thing? You're no friend of mine. And the door was shut. The door was shut. The door was shut. This morning, I'm going to end with this. Two things. First one is make absolutely certain please in your heart this morning that you really are the friend of Jesus that you think you are that you really have a relationship with God that you're not the one standing in the mirror deceiving yourself 
make absolutely sure of that, 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 that the day's not going to come where he's going to say to you, yeah, I, I know all the stuff you used to do. I know the demons you cast out. I know the people that you prayed for get sick that were healed. I, I, I know all those things, but I never actually had it. I never actually knew you because the door will be shut. That'd be the first thing I would ask you this morning. Second thing I would ask you is this. Right, are you burning? When Jesus comes back, and he looks at your life, the way you're living it. Is it going to be such that it honors him? You understand what I'm saying? He looks at your obedience. He, he looks at how you choose to live and follow him and, 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 and the obedience in your heart. Is it going to honor him? Honor, is it going to honor the groom? When Jesus comes back and he looks at how you've cared for people around you and how you've served people, how you've served and ministered to the lost, is it going to honor him? Will your life honor the groom? Are you more lit today than you've ever been in your life? Because if the answer is no, this is the morning you need to stop and reevaluate what's more important, eternity or this day and age. My prayer is for you and my prayer is for me. God, help me to burn brighter than I've ever burned. Help me to love you deeper than I've ever loved you. Help me to serve people more than I've ever served. Lord, let me be a torch that literally burns up for your glory. I I don't want to be the guy when the groom comes standing there with a Bic lighter trying to get the material to up of my life. I don't want to be that guy. Because that's the guy who knew what he ought to do. Put it off just a little too long. Just a little too late. And the door shut. Don't be that guy. Would you stand with me this morning? This is what I'd like to do. invite you to the altar this morning on the Facebook feed make an altar right there where you are but I believe God gave me this message for somebody maybe several somebodies certainly some in first service but maybe somebody here today this is the altar call Cheryl's going to lead us here in just a moment you can just stay around for a little bit of time that'd be wonderful not absolutely sure that you're burning hotter than you've ever burned before. If you're not absolutely sure that your life's a torch, if you're not more lit today than you were yesterday, 
Will you take a moment? Come to the altar, bow a knee, call out to God and say, Lord, help me. Light me on fire. Cause something to burn in me again. Cause something to stir in me again. Say, Pastor Barry, I just don't feel that. Then come and pray, God, change my feelings. Right? Because we will all stand before God and he's going to say one of two things. Well done, good and faithful servant. Or depart from me because you thought you knew me, but you really didn't. to sing. These altars are open. You're welcome to come. Spend a few minutes with the Lord. Seek His face. Pray God give me more hunger than I've ever had before. Altars are open.
interceding for your spouse. He's still interceding for your brother and your sister. The door hasn't shut. The door hasn't shut. May our prayer be this morning as we leave this place, God, cause a fire to burn in me that I can be the torch but also that I can be the one that prays for my brother, my sister, and my kids while the door still hasn't shut. I heard a gentleman say, and I'm going to end with this, I heard a gentleman say, he said, he said the way I have, have, have come to preach, God, God told me one day, and I don't even remember who it was that said this to me, but he said, God, told me one day, he said, when you preach and when you give an altar call, and so, so I'm saying when you pray for that loved one I'm talking about, he, he said, the way I do it is I picture my, my child sitting right there, and in my heart and my mind, I picture them sitting right there, and this is going to be the last opportunity I ever have to speak to them, ever tell you when, it, when, when, when you really believe it maybe it's the last time you, you, you seem to have a, at least with me there's more passion there's more intensity there's more sincerity there's more brokenness and, and, and what I'm saying this morning is God let us pray that way because the door hasn't shut yes. but it might so let us pray God deal with them God save them God convict them God draw them God, don't let them slip into eternity because the door's still open, but it may be shut tomorrow. Does that make sense? God, let that be the, also the fire that burns in us this morning. Lord, we love you. We thank you for your blessings. We thank you, Lord, for still being Jesus who sits on the right hand of the Father, ever interceding for us. We thank you, Lord, that you still deal with us. You still draw us. You still... Lord, have given us that moment and that time to draw close to you. We give you all the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless those of you on Facebook. Thank you so much for being a part of service today. God bless. listening to this week's podcast. If you're looking for a church home or are interested in what God is doing through Souls Harbor, visit us at www.soulsharborag.com. If you have an encouraging story of what God has done in your life through these podcasts, please share it with us at sharbor@indy.rr.com.